The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory be to thee, O Lord. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent, and believe in the good news. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. In the Bible, as well as in Christian tradition, the wilderness is a place of testing and transformation. In the Old Testament, the people of Israel, whom God calls collectively his son, were led through the waters of the Red Sea into the wilderness of the Sinai Desert, where they were tested for 40 years. In today's gospel, Jesus passes through the waters of baptism, and God calls him my son. And immediately after Jesus is baptized and the spirit descends upon him like a dove, that same spirit drives him into the wilderness where he is tempted by Satan. John Shea notes, the baptismal gift of spirit is not a personal privilege, but the foundation for a struggle. Mark's gospel is not simply good news, it is good news in a bad world. The mythological character of Satan symbolizes the inner, invisible energy of people, groups, and social and political structures that actively keep people alienated from God and divided among themselves. Let me say that again, because I find that statement helpful in understanding what the Gospels mean when they speak of Satan and demons. The mythological character of Satan symbolizes the inner, invisible energy of people, groups, and social and political structures that actively keep people alienated from God and divided among themselves. My friends, if Dr. Shea is right, and the word Satan refers to this inner, invisible, alienating, and divisive energy, and I think Satan is most assuredly alive and well today. For if we are honest with ourselves, is there not in our world today an invisible energy within people, groups, 
and social and political structures that actively keeps us divided among ourselves and therefore alienated from God. For we cannot be close to God while being divided among ourselves. I know that there are times when I harbor this negative energy, at least for a while, and that pervasive, oppositional, invisible energy is truly diabolic. The root meaning of that Greek word, diabolos, devil, means to separate from. This diabolic energy that is so ubiquitous in our world today separates us from one another and therefore from God. Ralph Waldo Emerson famously said, what you are speaks so loudly, I cannot hear what you say. I believe that a correlative statement is also true. The spirit or energy behind our words or actions speaks louder than the words or actions themselves. We all know, for instance, that a passive-aggressive spirit can at times be hidden beneath outwardly commendable words. In our Lenten study book, Falling Upward, Father Rohr notes, two people can have the same job description, yet one is holding a subtle or not-so-subtle life energy in doing their job, while another is holding a subtle or not-so-subtle negative energy while doing the same job. We actually respond to one another's energy more than to people's exact words or actions." Unquote. Do you not find that true in your own experience? We respond to the invisible but nonetheless real and felt energy behind someone's words or actions even more than to the exact words or actions themselves. And this same truth has even been discovered over the past few decades by business experts and the corporate world. Truth is truth wherever it is found. You have heard me quote Dr. Otto Scharmer, senior lecturer at MIT's Sloan School of Management and a leader in the field of organization development. Sharma has consulted with international institutions and governments, including such corporations as Mercedes-Benz and Google. In his research at MIT, and in his working with governments and corporations to bring about positive change, Dr. Sharma has come to this conclusion, and I quote, the success of our actions depends not on what we do or how we do it, but on the inner place from which we operate. Effective action means opening the mind, the heart, and the will. It means suspending old habits of judgment. It means empathizing. 
And it means letting go of what wants to die in oneself and letting come what is waiting to be born. Unquote. The success of our actions depends on the inner place from which we operate. Where is our energy coming from? From a divisive, oppositional, satanic spirit or from the loving, reconciling, holy spirit? My friends, I think it would be a valuable Lenten discipline for us to daily ask ourselves during these 40 days in our wilderness of Lent, from what inner place am I operating? What is the energy, the spirit, behind my thoughts, words, and actions? Is it the life-giving, loving, compassionate spirit and energy of Jesus? Or is it a negative spirit that invisible energy of people, groups, and social and political structures that actively keeps us alienated from God and divided among ourselves. Jesus encountered many people who were possessed by an invisible negative energy that separated them from others and alienated them from God. In the Gospels, harboring this negative energy is often described as being possessed by demons. But this negative energy is invisible and subtle and often hides behind the outward appearance of righteousness. Some of the people in the Gospels who harbored this negative energy within themselves were outwardly respectable religious people. Pharisees, scribes, priests, who nonetheless succumbed to the subtle, seductive temptations of this inner, invisible energy of alienation and division. Remember the serpent in the Garden of Eden that tempted Adam and Eve, resulting in their alienation from God and from the earth itself? That serpent is described in Genesis as being the most subtle of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. That's the King James translation. The tempter is indeed subtle. Often we don't realize when we have succumbed to his temptations. Professor and preacher Fred Craddock notes, temptation is not obvious, definitely not a caricature. Hi, I am Satan. I am here to tempt you. The tempter often looks and sounds like a friend or relative. Get behind me, Satan, was not Jesus' word to the local fiend, but to his friend, Simon Peter. And here's the thing. Our attraction to this inner, invisible, divisive, and alienating energy is strong and powerful. Largely, I think, because our ego identity, our surface identity, 
feeds on a sense of separateness and opposition. Spiritual teacher and author Eckhart Tolle writes, the ego needs problems, conflict, and enemies to strengthen the sense of separateness on which its identity depends. And my friends, I think that's the temptation we so often face, at least I do, to nurture our egos and thereby strengthen our surface identity, our small self, our separate self, our false self, by feeding on that inner invisible energy of people, groups, and social and political structures that builds up the ego, but actively keeps people alienated from God and divided among themselves. It is a seductive and inebriating energy, indeed. But it is not of God. It is definitely not of God. I believe that Jesus' time of testing in the wilderness was something God wanted his beloved son to go through. God wanted Jesus to be ready to identify that inner invisible energy of the tempter, that seductive, heady energy, which, though it may make us feel righteous and powerful, actually keeps people divided among themselves and therefore alienated from God. God wanted his beloved son to know what you and I experience, that inner, invisible, seductive, oppositional, inebriating, negative, alienating energy, and to expose it for what it is, the subtle serpent of the Garden of Eden. In like manner, I believe that God wants us, as we journey through our 40-day wilderness of Lent, and as we enter into a political election season, to look honestly and unflinchingly inside our own hearts and discern the spirit, the energy behind our thoughts, words, and actions, whether it be of God or of the divisive, alienating, subtle tempter. But Satan is not the only spirit to be found in the wilderness. Our gospel tells us that there are angels in the wilderness who wait on Jesus, messengers for God, reminding him that he is God's beloved son, assuring him that God is with him in the wilderness, in the very midst of the temptations and struggles. There are angels who embody and transmit the life-giving Holy Spirit. And so it is for us, my friends, in our Lenten wilderness. Yes, the seductive siren call of divisive alienating energy is all around us, tempting us to feed our small selves, our surface selves, with the ego-nourishing food of separation, opposition, and alienation. But there is also 
deep within us and all around us, the divine spirit of Christ longing to feed our true selves, our deep selves, with the life-giving, soul-nourishing energies of the Holy Spirit. My prayer for us all, my friends, is that during these 40 days of our Lenten wilderness, we learn to discern the contentious, alienating, life-depleting energies and spirits all around us and within us from the loving, reconciling, life-giving energies of the Holy Spirit, which is also all around us and within us. May we fast from the life-depleting energies and feast on the life-giving energies. May we trust the energy of God's love.